we are blessed this morning uh, with a young guy. And I can, I, all the yeah, junior high and high school, you guys can go back to your class. Take off. Get out of here. Don't dis, dis, disrupt me anymore. I'm working on it here. Amen. Hallelujah. So it's all good. Now, but we're blessed uh, this morning with uh, uh, Jason Doherty, who is uh, now residing in Pennsylvania, but was in, and was in uh, India. He was running one of the Ramas that are in India. India is a big country, and there are six different Rama campuses. If you don't know what Rama is, Rama uh, Bible College that's around the world. There's about 280 colleges around the world and uh, in different countries of the world, and he, he was enabled to be over there and, and to establish that one in a different province. You know, you know Kevin Castro, who we support as a ministry, and he has his school in Mumbai, and which uh, Jason and, and, and Kevin are really good friends. In fact, Jason just taught the students by Zoom just recently, a couple of weeks back, right? And doing all that and being a blessing. Uh, and because of a lot of things that go on, whether or not you know this, uh, India is not a... a Basically, India is not a safe country to, to be in and preach the gospel. You know, we kind of think, oh, it should be. No, it's, uh, they're very, very anti-God. Uh, that's because they have about 3 million gods, right, or something, or something like that, 3,000. So uh, you would think they'd be all-inclusive, but uh, they're not. You know, it's funny. Everybody's inclusive of everything except for the real one. But God has uh, just uh, done supernatural things. I met Jason, when I went out and was able to be involved with the uh, missions revisited, and when I went out with Gary Crowell and David Beebe, and we did, flew them all in and, and had them all in there and ministered to all these missionaries around the world. So it was a tremendous blessing. And I told him when I was there and met with him, I said, you know what, I'm going to have you come and be a blessing. Amen. And, of course, Greg told me I had to have younger guest speakers coming because all of my friends are old. So we need to get some younger guys in here. So he's, I call him a young man. He is young. He's a, lot, he's a lot younger than I am, so he's young. He may be old to some of you other guys, but he's young to me. No, he's a blessing. I'm going to let him tell a little bit about him. He's been ministering there and running the school and ministering in India for many, many years. And so I want you to give a warm Harvest Bible Church welcome to Reverend Jason Darty. Jason Darty, come on up, buddy. <laughs> There we go. Okay. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, first, I just want to thank uh, Pastors Mark and Pamela for having me. I consider it a great honor to be here with you. And uh, I will probably weave in things about myself uh, as I teach the Word because there's certain aspects of my testimony that kind of fit into the message. So uh, just as a, a very short uh, what Pastor Mark was saying is I was running a Rama school in the northeast of India and I had been over there, uh, wow, it was about 18 years. So I was living in India mostly during that time. So we, we are transitioning back to the U.S. and, and uh, are thankful to God for all that he is doing in our lives as we do that. And so uh, without further ado, let's uh, begin with a word of prayer and get into the word. Father, we do thank you, we honor you, Lord, and uh, we are so grateful that you've given us your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit as he ministers to us today. Lord, I ask that you would give me utterance to speak as the oracles of God. Yes. Lord, that we will write into the hearts of your people the things that they need for their journey ahead of them. And Father, we just surrender all things to you. We give you all the praise and glory and honor for it. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So, uh, my message today deals with the subject of meekness, uh, but in a way that uh, meekness, in a way that leads to surrender. And in, in my own life and in the lives of others, one of the things that I would say is is um, an important aspect of really walking out and fulfilling God's plan is the idea of an absolute surrender to the Lord. And uh, that, that's always interesting because sometimes we think we are surrendered 
And then God starts to deal with something in our heart and we realize that we may not have been surrendered as much as we thought we were. And uh, we, we've all probably sang the song, I Surrender All. And that's an interesting song because every time I sing it, I'm always searching my heart to say, am I honestly singing this song? Because uh, the idea of surrender is something that we will always be confronted with. And uh, we can kind of test our hearts regularly to see how surrendered we were. And as uh, Pastor Mark said, what happens is the Word of God tries us. It tests us. And uh, so, you know, I, I don't stand here as one who has totally passed all those tests. <laughs> and as I'm sure many of you have experienced as well, I can look back at times where I am thankful to God that I did pass tests. And I can look back and look at times where I was like, well, I guess I could have done better in that <laughs> test. Uh, I'll just give you a brief, for instance, uh, this was an interesting part of the Lord at work in my life. I had uh, uh, been back in Pennsylvania, which is where I'm originally from, and this was between my first and second year of Rama, and I was working a, a job back there on the, the road crew, so I was working for the public works department. And uh, I had worked all day, and I was kind of tired, and I was on my way home from work, and I you know, drove by a house where I, I knew the person that lived there. I had met him briefly, didn't like know him in like a relationship aspect, but knew who he was and had talked to him at one point. And as I was driving by, the Lord said to me, stop in and talk to him. And uh, I said in my heart, Lord, I'm tired. I just want to go home. And so I drove a little bit further and I started to get this impression that I was being a hypocrite. <laughs> and, and the reason being is the day before I was telling my brother that he was unfaithful because he wasn't keeping his commitments and so the Lord said well now you're not keeping your commitment to me and I drove a little bit further and almost got home and then turned around and went and met with this person I'm so glad I obeyed the Lord because that person helped pay much of my tuition for my second year of Rhema. And if I hadn't obeyed, there would have came the time where I have to pay my second year of tuition and <laughs> I'm thinking, Lord, what's wrong? Why is the money not here? <laughs> and if I was sensitive enough to hear him, he would have probably said, well, because when I told you to do this... <laughs> But the good thing about God is he doesn't leave you, even in those situations. So if you've missed him and made a mistake, God is still there. You reach out to him, call upon him, and he will answer you, and he will deliver you still. Amen. Amen. That's a wonderful thing about God. So uh, anyway, my subject is about meekness, but for the purpose of really getting to that place of surrender. Now... Uh, yeah, my heart's full of so many things. Uh, you know, I find if I have too much time to prepare, <laughs> there's too many things that start to begin to come forth. Uh, but let's start in Psalm 37, verse 34. Uh, the whole Psalm 37, uh, we could spend the whole day in there and never exhaust what I want to teach you today. But we'll just trust God to bring out what you need to hear and what I need to say and that everybody will be blessed and empowered for this day and this week and for all the things that God's going to do in your lives. Amen. Psalm 37 verse 34. He says, wait on the Lord and keep his way and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. So... Uh, there's three points here. One is wait on the Lord. The second is keep his way. And the third, he will exalt you to inherit the land. And uh, in, in all these cases, I, I kind of want to bring in the subject of meekness to understand the process of waiting and keeping his way. Okay, so... <laughs> Wait on the Lord. Amen? Yeah. 
This is a, a term, you know, in our, our society, we're kind of, you know, almost a little bit driven. We, get, we can get caught up in the busyness and the hustle and bustle. And uh, this can happen in business. This can happen running your kids to sporting events, which I didn't have to do much in India, but now I'm getting <laughs> immersed in that idea. <laughs> it, it can get caught up with the demands of ministry. Where we're just, uh, you know, we're, we're moving about. We're, we're, we're pressed in some areas. And, and, but, but we need to make sure we take the time to wait on the Lord. Now, it, it's like this. I, I like to say it this way. There's a time when we should be waiting and not moving. And there's a time when we should be moving and not waiting. Yeah. And see, if we will learn this principle of meekness, it will help us to be moving when we're supposed to be moving and waiting when we're supposed to be waiting. Meekness is the need for the hour. Now, let me first define what meekness is. Okay, so meekness could be said to be a yielded will. Okay, a yielded will. So if we are meek, what happens? We are not stubborn and stiff in our ways. We are pliable. Come on. <laughs> and specifically in the hands of the Lord. Okay, so it would be a will that is yielded to the Lord. Amen. So when we talk about meekness, what are we looking for? A will that is yielded to the Lord. We could go back to our term surrender. So if we are meek, we are surrendered. Amen? So meekness is surrender. Uh, in Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5, he says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way... To the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Now, uh, this, this word, delight yourself, okay? In the Hebrew, it means to remain pliable in the Lord's hands. It's, it's like this. We could say soft clay in the hands of the potter. See, the potter can't work with hard clay. Hard clay is set, but soft clay is easy to mold. And so this word, delight yourself, means to be soft in the hands of God. It means to be pliable. So when we look at, he will give you the desires of your heart, what this is actually doing is allowing the Lord to form you so that his desires are in your heart. And then what's he doing? He's bringing those desires to pass in your life. So it's not just any desires. You know, uh, this would be a study on itself. You can look into it sometime. But there's desires of the spirit. There's desires of the mind. And there's desires of the flesh. Okay? So we want to learn to delight ourselves in the Lord allowing him to give us those desires that those spiritual desires that he puts in our hearts that he brings them to fulfillment and that brings us to this place at the end where he says you know wait on the lord keep his way and he shall exalt you to inherit the land what's god do he brings us to that place of fulfillment as we remain pliable in his hand okay so god has a place of fulfillment we could say it's your promised land, okay? God has a promised land for each of you. A promised life, a promised ministry. So what's God doing? He's working to bring that to pass in your life. Now the question becomes is how well are we working with him so that he can bring that to pass in our lives? How well are we working? How well are we cooperating? How pliable are we in his hand? Come on, amen. That's right. Come on. Are you pliable? Come on. Amen. Amen. He says, commit your way to him. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. 
So that's what the Lord's looking to do in your lives. He's looking to form you to bring to pass ultimately what he desires for you. He has desires for you. And he wants those desires that he has for you to be in you. And then those desires to come out for the fulfillment in your life. Now listen to what, this is something God said to me. He said, you will not be satisfied until you fulfill my will and my plan and my purpose. What? There's there's not true satisfaction outside of that. And so, as I said, I would bring in some things about my own testimony in life. So I was a systems engineer for Lockheed Martin. Um, This is many, many years ago. (laughs) Back in 1997. And God started dealing with me. And uh, he used a passage in, in 1 Samuel where Saul went looking for the donkeys. And uh, what happened when Saul was looking for the donkeys, he met Samuel. And Samuel anointed him to be king. And God spoke to me, because I was in systems engineering, and I was doing my master's degree, and I'm thinking of all the prosperous future I'm going to have in engineering. And God said, you're still looking for the donkeys, but I've anointed you to do something else. So what was required? (laughs) A time of surrender. And so just about the time I got surrendered, God finally told me again, quit worrying about the circumstances and do what I've called you to do. Because I don't know about you, God calls you where you're at, but there could be lots of circumstances. And for my case was the mountain of debt that I had built up by going to school and buying a new car. And I mean, I was making good money, but God's telling me to leave all that. (laughs) And so there were circumstances that were standing in the way. But what happened? A call for surrender. Am I going to do it my way? Because I could have kept working the job and paid off the debt. I even had one Bible school tell me, you should get your debt taken care of. Or am I going to do it God's way? He said, now's the time. And so it took surrender. It took, uh, you know, I had to put aside all of my own thinking. I had to put aside all my own strength in the matter. And I had to rely on God. And that's what he's always calling us to. That place of surrender is what? A reliance on him. And that's what faith is. That's what trust is. Trust is us not relying on ourselves, but our reliance on him. Now, that doesn't mean we have nothing to do with it. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean we just lay on the bed and say, okay, God, I'm relying on you. No, if you're relying on him, you're doing what he said to do. (laughs) That's the point of surrender. Surrender is doing what he said to do, not what what you think you should do. No, it's doing what he said to do. Okay, so that's where God is continually taking us, and he's continually bringing us into greater degrees of surrender. Why? Because I don't know about you, but I don't know everything. I haven't experienced everything, and there's still plenty of areas for me to improve on. And so I'm sure he's working the same in your own lives. And so the key is being sensitive to his calls to surrender. Because what can happen in our busy lifestyles is we can crowd out that voice. We can allow all the noise, right? There's many voices in the world. (laughs) There's much noise in the world. What happens? That noise starts getting louder and louder. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to take care of this. And the noise can come. And that brings us to the point of meekness to wait on the Lord. Now, when we talk about waiting on the Lord, it's not just a sitting around doing nothing, as I said. It's a... It's a call to surrender, and that also waiting with expectation. So there's times when uh, the Lord may be leading you to do something, or maybe he's leading you to not do something. Because we can push ahead. I've been there. I've done it. (laughs) We can push ahead, and the Lord's saying, just hold up. Well, it needs to be done. Just hold up. 
And so what happens is we're pushing ahead and we may even be doing good things, but we may be missing the things that the Lord has, has called us to do. And I know from my own experience, because back to a little bit of my testimony, I was in India for 18 years. And I was going. And COVID kind of put a hindrance on that. And so uh, it came 2022. And I was saying, we have to run Ramesh along this year. And my wife was saying, I don't think we're supposed to. And I said, no, we have to do it. And sometimes, guys, it's important to listen to your wife. Actually, actually, most of the time. <laughs> it, women see things that we don't see. They know things we don't know. And that's why God said, I'm going to have a helpmate for you. Because he knows if you're on your own, you're probably going to mess it up. <laughs> And all the women said, amen. <laughs> and all the men don't throw stones yet. <laughs> but so my wife just kept telling me, and, I, you know, and I'm like pushing ahead and pushing ahead. And we got close to the starting point, and I'm starting to get, yeah, we're not supposed to run the school this year. <laughs> and if I would have listened to my wife about three months earlier, it would have been a lot easier. <laughs> but now I got to a point where it was difficult to surrender because when we push ahead, instead of learning to just, okay, wait on the Lord, what is he saying? Push ahead. No, wait on the Lord. And because and a lot of times with our society, we've been taught more is better, busyness is better, production is better. And that's not always the mindset of the kingdom. If you look at Mary and Martha, you'll see. <laughs> The mindset of the kingdom. Martha was busy serving, careful about many things. And Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And he said, Mary had chosen that good part. And so I, you know, listened to the Lord when I wouldn't listen to my wife. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was a difficult transition. But the Lord had been dealing with us about shifting back to the U.S., and so I, you know, it came to a point of, of dire decision. <laughs> what are you going to do? Well, surrender to the Lord. And so I surrendered to the Lord, and it became a year transition or so. And still, Ramah Shalom is technically under my care, but it's on pause right now. It's important to listen to the Lord. Amen. And sometimes we build up things that we find that it's so important, it's urgent, this needs to be done. Now, what is the Lord saying to you? Because if you continue to push ahead, you may miss some of the things that he's purposed. Take time to wait on the Lord. You know, like I said, when I start, then things start coming up. Well, let's listen to this one. In Acts chapter 13, right? What did they do? Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. There were certain prophets and teachers at the church at Antioch, and they were ministering unto the Lord. They took time to fast, to pray, to minister unto the Lord. And what was birthed out of that? The ministry of Paul and Barnabas was birthed out of what? They took time to pray to minister unto the Lord, yes, to amen. wait on Him. And as they did, the Lord spoke and, and gave them direction. And you see the ministry of Paul and Barnabas take off from that point. They took time to wait. And so this meekness, having a yielded will, will help us know when do we need to take time to wait. But it's not always just taking time to wait. There are times when we need to be busy about the Father's business and what He's told us to do. And so that's why we have to be meek. We have to be yielded so that when it's time to wait, we're waiting. When it's time to go, we're going. And we know the difference, amen? When we're sensitive, yielded, we'll know the difference. Time to wait. Because as you wait, God starts putting things together. 
You may wonder why, Lord. You know, it's a good opportunity. And he says, no. He starts putting things together. This is a good opportunity also. No. Paul tried to do that, right? He was on his missionary endeavor. God sent him out. And he starts to go this way, and the Holy Spirit says, no. And then he starts to go this way, and the Holy Spirit says, no. And again, in the waiting, what happens? He gets a vision. The Macedonia calling. Come over here and help us. That was... Again, in the waiting, as he was trying to go, he didn't forge ahead because the Holy Spirit said no. And he tries to go this way. The Holy Spirit says no. I mean, there's been times where I'm thinking, this way must be the way. No. Then it's got to be this way. No. I'm like, okay, Lord, what are we doing here? (laughs) And I know many of us feel like we're in that place because God is putting things together. It's not just about you. There are other people involved. There are other resources involved. God is fitting the puzzle together. And if we're not in the right place, the puzzle is not complete. Come on. Amen. Yes. Amen. See, God is putting things together as it is suitable to him. And sometimes it hurts on us when we're like, oh, God, just I need to get out of here. I need this to open up. But God's, he, he's working something beautiful at that time. And the, and the sooner we get that, the more at peace we can be. <laughs> because we can just rest in the hands of the potter. Turn with me to Jeremiah. Chapter 18. Resting in the hands of the potter. And uh, I want to look at verses 4 and 5 because this will give us hope no matter where we find ourselves. It says in verse 4, And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. I'll stop there. So, you know, sometimes our life seems marred. (laughs) It seems a mess. God's not done with you. In the midst of that mess, God is not done. And that's why you keep committing yourself into the hand of the potter. Yielded, a will yielded to him. It goes and says this, So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Listen, the outcome may not be what you expected, but God's making it according to what he wants to make. We want to separate ourselves from our own desires and go back to those desires that he said he would give you in your heart. Because that is where satisfaction and fulfillment come. In verse 5 he says, Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, Can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord. Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. And see, what we have to remember, see, and that's why surrender. (laughs) Surrender allows the potter really to do it with little effort. Amen? Amen? When, when, you know, the clay, the clay really does not have the right to say, look, don't make me like this. <laughs> the potter says, I will make you the way I want to make you. That's why the clay has to be soft, right? See, the hard clay, the potter would be like, okay, hard clay, you get set aside. What's the potter working with? Soft clay. Pliable in his hands. Then he molds you into what he wants you to be. The desires that he has for you. And then those desires start being those desires in your own heart. And he starts bringing those to fulfillment. Wait on the Lord. Amen. The pliable heart. The soft clay. That's what God wants all of us to be. And that goes back to this idea of meekness. Now, uh, turn with me to Matthew. Matthew 
I'm sorry, I'm like a Bible teacher. I, you'll hear me teach more than preach, probably. Matthew chapter 11. Now, we're all familiar with this passage of Scripture. But um, I want to try to get to our point of, He will exalt you. <laughs> so first, we have to be that pliable clay. And then He brings us to, He will exalt you to inherit the land. In Matthew chapter 11, and I'm going to skip through some things just to get down to verse 28. And he says in verse 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Amen. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, the, the King James says meek, and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I want you to understand this. See, he says, you'll find rest to your souls. The rest is found in what? Learning of him. Amen. And this, the Lord put me on this task a while ago, and I'm still on this task. But the rest is the result of learning of him. But he mentions these qualities. What? Meek and lowly in heart, which are very closely related. So we could say that yielded will... Or we could say being humble is the characteristic that he wants us to learn if we are going to find that place of rest. Amen. That's right. Come on. Good work. So what's he, what's he doing in us? Learn of me. What? Learn meekness. Learn humility. You will find rest. Take my yoke upon you. This place of him yoked together with us is where we cease struggling in our own efforts and we rely on His grace working in us and through us to bring to pass what He's purposed for us. It's a step outside of ourselves, outside of our own resources, outside of our own strength, but a step into Him, in His resources, in His strength. His ability begins to work in us. And that's why He says, commit your way unto the Lord, trust in Him, and He will bring it to pass. It's not us bringing it to pass. It's not us making it happen. It's us relying on Him, trusting in Him, and He brings to pass those things. And again, he's putting things together. See, this is why we don't see the big picture. Or sometimes we see, well, we know how it affects us, but we don't know how it affects everybody else involved. That's why it's important to be where God would have you to be. Which brings me to another point. And this is God sets us according to his pleasure. It's an interesting term to look up, but it, I, I started studying this, and we'll uh, do our best to get through the main part of it. But if we look at what God does as we wait on him, and then we're keeping his way, what happens is God begins to set us. He sets us on high because we've known his name. He sets us in the body as it pleases him. He sets some of us to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. He sets us as it pleases him within the body. Amen. This goes back to being good clay. Because if God sets us somewhere, we don't want to be somewhere else. You know, my one aunt, she had Down syndrome. She was such a... A pleasant person to be around but it was funny when she would do puzzles because when she was doing a puzzle she would be sure that this piece should fit here and so she would she would pound it in but it didn't fit there and that's what we have to be careful that we don't try to fit and pound ourselves in where we don't fit because God has a place where we do fit and we want to make sure we're in that place where we do fit. Because in that place that we do fit is where we will prosper and thrive. Not just surviving. Many times we're living in survival mode. Just make it through this day. Just make it through this week. Saturday and Sunday are coming. No. We should be enjoying Monday as much as we're enjoying Saturday and Sunday. 
Because every day we're living in the Lord and the Lord's living in us. We don't have to wait for Friday or Saturday or whatever day. We should be rejoicing and glad every day. And when we're in our place, that's much more of a reality. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Um, I, I like the idea of God setting us. He sets us in the body as it pleases him. Amen? Why? Because he's the, he's the potter. We are the clay. Uh, I'll give you another idea because as he sets us, what's he doing? He's setting us up. He's setting us up for something great. You know, God doesn't think small. If you think God thinks small, you're thinking about the wrong God. God thinks big. God is big. (laughs) And his thoughts are big. And sometimes we as puny men have puny thoughts. But God wants our thoughts to be revolutionized. Why? Because he thinks big. He knows the thoughts that he thinks toward us. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. To give us a plan and a purpose and a future and a hope. What's he doing? He's working in us. To will and to do of his good pleasure. He's working to fulfill those good things that he has in store for us. To in- so that we may inherit the promised land, so to speak, right? So he says, wait on the Lord, keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. He exalts us to inherit those things that he's promised us and put in our hearts. But that comes through meekness and humility, right? It doesn't come through our own strivings and strugglings and (laughs) our own reasonings and our own arguments and how many have ever reasoned with God and or argued with God is a better way. I have not won an argument with God yet. Amen. I'm glad I haven't won an argument with God. Because if he won the argument, he said, okay, go ahead, do it your own way. <laughs> and then you're going to be sorry that you, that you did that. <laughs> the place of surrender. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 26. Because he sets us up. He sets us up. Sometimes it doesn't look like we're being set up. It looks like we're going down. But God's about to turn it around. Jesus, Matthew 26, verse 36 through 46. I'm not going to read it all, but we'll just turn there for reference point. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, is doing what? He's praying, but he's doing something else. He's surrendering. This is the point of absolute surrender. If there's another way, Father, we'll go with that way. But he said, nevertheless, your will be done. I want you to notice this. And he tells Peter the same. He says, watch him pray that you do not enter into temptation. How many think Jesus was tempted about the cross? He was tempted in every way as we were. He just never yielded to the temptation. On the cross, I know know me. On the cross, when they were mocking and said, Hi, you're the Christ, you've saved others, save yourself. Come on on down from that cross. I would have been like, okay, that's it. I'm coming down from this cross. I'll show you. (laughs) No, but look at Jesus. He had the resolve in the face of those mockings. I mean, listen, this is, you know, he's God. He's the Christ. And what's he? They're mocking him. He can't save himself. What kept him on the cross? The joy set before him. The commitment that he had to the Father. His surrender. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the battle was already won. 
The decision was made. So when they're mocking him on the cross, he already made the decision. Too many of us wait till the time of decision to make the decision. And we fail in the decision because why? We didn't do watch and pray that you fall not into temptation. Because it's in that time of surrender. In that time of prayer, he surrendered himself. And that's what kept him on the cross in the face of the mockings, in the beatings, in the pain, in the separation from the father. He accomplished it in the garden when he said, not my will, but your will be done. So it was at that point of surrender where no matter what else happened, the decision's already made. And that's where we have to learn to bring ourselves. Meekness, a yielded will. In the times of decision, I've already yielded myself to what the Father's desire is. And if I would have listened to my wife, <laughs> yeah, I would have heard the Father sooner. Exactly. <laughs> Thank God for wives. One wife per man. <laughs> so when I say wives, I'm talking about for all of us men, for each of our wife, our single. <laughs> right, Jesus? So, so not my will, but yours be done. So he settled the matter, which is the call for each of us. See, where rubber meets the road, what? The decision already needs to be made. I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to be pressured into something that God has not ordained for me. I'm not going to be manipulated. Right? The decision's already made. I'm going to keep the word. I'm going to what? Keep his way. Wait on the Lord and keep his way. That word keep can mean observe his way. It, can, it has the idea of guarding his way. What are we doing? We are going to stay on the path. And that's really what that word is. It's like a road. It's like a trodden path. We're going to stay on that trodden path no matter what comes. Yes, and see, this is the key. Because when, when the, the troubles will come. We've all seen enough. I mean, you, you, if you're living in this world, you are experiencing trouble to some degree. Right? This is a promise Jesus made that none of us want to claim. In the world, you shall have tribulation. Right? But he said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So in the midst of that trouble, we can stay on the path and we can be rejoicing in the time. Because why? He's already overcome. And he assures us that if we will keep the way, he will exalt us to inherit the land. What's that mean? You will overcome also. It, you will see the fruit of your believing. Amen? And, and it's this, we're not looking for production per se. We're looking for fruitfulness. We're looking for fruitfulness. See, in the American mindset, we, want, we need to be productive, productive. Well, a lot of our productive, productive is not necessarily being fruitful. Because you can burn up a lot of calories and still not be fruitful. Amen. That's true. Come on. Amen. So God's bringing us to what? That place where wait on him. Keep his way. So that means when you've got other voices that are calling you this way and calling you that way and pulling you this side and pulling you to that side because they will happen. I know. I've experienced plenty of it myself. Where you'll have, this is the path I'm on. What, what happens? It's easy to have someone pull you aside from that path. It said Jesus set his face like flint. So when he was going to the cross, again, he already what? He's got tunnel vision. This is what needs to be done. And so nothing could draw him aside to the right or to the left. And we have to have that same mentality once we know the path. Now, there may be times when you're seeking, okay, what is God's path exactly? And so you, you might have to, you know, be testing the waters a little bit. But once you know the path, you cannot let anything pull you from that path. 
That's where you have to keep the way. You wait on the Lord, and we could even say, waiting on the Lord helps you to establish what that way is. But once you know the way, you keep that way. Don't allow anything to distract you. Don't allow things to take your attention. Don't allow the winds and the waves to cause you to sink. Amen? Wait on the Lord and keep His way. Then what's He going to do? He's going to exalt you to inherit the land. And that's the place where we all want to be. Where we are exalted. What exalts us? Humility raises us up. Meekness raises us up. To the place where we are experiencing those things that God has put in our hearts. He's bringing them to fulfillment in our lives. He will exalt us to inherit the Lamb. <laughs> he exalts us in due time. In 1 Peter chapter 5, he says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. In other words, instead of us promoting ourselves, because we would promote ourselves before we're ready, God knows the timing for that promotion and says, okay, now you're ready. Now you are in this place. David took years before he actually was king. And what was God doing? He was preparing him. Joseph took years before he was the prime minister of Egypt. What was he doing? God was preparing him. The word of the Lord was testing them. But there came the place. They waited on the Lord. They kept his way and he exalted them. To inherit the land. He exalted them to inherit their position. I like what it says here. And I'll read this scripture. And we're going to try to close up here. In Psalm 2. In Psalm 2. He says this in verse 6. He says. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. What did he say? I have set my king. Upon my holy hill. Amen? It can mean appointed, anointed, but what it was God setting him. It wasn't him setting himself. I have set my king. And that's what, when we are yielded to the Lord, he sets us in the place that pleases him. And he exalts us to inherit the land. And we begin to experience that fulfillment that only walking in his will can bring. Amen? And so... I want you to get the idea of surrender. Surrender to the Lord. Having meekness. A will that's yielded to Him. Pliable in His hands that He can form you into His desires for you. Because that's what He's working. So as we do that, we keep His way. The way may seem long sometimes. But as we keep that way, what's he doing? He's setting us up. He's setting us up to inherit the land. To inherit the promises. To enjoy the position that he designed for us. Because when we're out of position, we're not enjoying. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And the Lord will work that which he desires in your life will not be of your own doing. It will be of His doing. Yes, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Senkros de mingre, zotoro man rastenin kratasundai, ebroka sedigrandu mantekeda man setikinai, zoroku, barate, sutingre sombredeskini mongros tu bandi ichanai. Hallelujah. And so as you wait on the Lord, do not think your own thoughts, but allow his thoughts to be in your heart and in your mind. Allow his thoughts to be stirring in you and to bring forth words that are suitable for his kingdom and his purpose. For he will give you words to speak that will set things in motion and begin to bring to pass that which he has desired for you. For your words will go forth and they will accomplish things that are in the unseen but begin to push away 
forward for you and for the path the Lord has chosen for your life. For his path is good and his path is right. And so do not choose to go a different way. Do not choose your own way, but say, Lord, here I am. Here I am to stay in the path that you have chosen for me. And you will see the Lord do the wondrous things that he has promised to you, the things that he has spoken to your heart. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Pastor Mark. Thank you, sir. Fantastic. Fantastic. Hallelujah. I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. Praise God. I know he's taught the body of Christ this morning. Shared with us as a church. But we never want to have an, get, not have an opportunity to lead people to Jesus. And to know the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior. Amen. God loves you. Jesus came to die for you. Hallelujah. And just like was said and shared. Oh man, wow. It's just humbling. It's coming to the Lord with meekness and surrender all. I surrender all. Giving our lives to him. Because then when he takes your life, he gives you his life. So if you're here as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, or if you're watching, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, or you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you may know of him, you may know about him, but that doesn't mean that you actually know him. Amen? Many times we, we, we think, well, I know Jesus. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. No, but is he really, truly your Lord and Savior? You may also be here. This is the second invitation. First one is if you never have. This is the second one. If you're here and you know you need to come back to God, you need him in your life. You know that you need to surrender. You know, as we used to say back when I was growing up in the denomination, to rededicate our life. But really, it's just recommitting our life to him. Giving it back to him. Say, Lord, here am I. And that's okay because like the prodigal son, the father ran to him put his arm around him, reinstated him. You know, the son was like, I'm no longer worthy. Doesn't matter. Christ made you worthy. Hallelujah. So if you're here on any one of those two invitations, you'd say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Raise your hand and I'll pray for you. We'll pray for you right now, right where we're at. Hallelujah. I know that for the body of Christ, we're here. That's why the message was given this morning. So good. So tremendous. Yes, man. Awesome word. Hallelujah. Amen.